but it's kind of owning the truth. You're the first person to see this and you kind of have an idea. And when you try and work backwards as to how this actually happened, I think that's a pretty nice feeling. Approaching protein interactions and, you know, just pull down thing that, you know, is pretty tedious, but the thing actually worked. And I remember the postdoc and he wasn't very talkative. He just said, I think this is miracle. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what, I think maybe I can do Welcome to the sixth episode of the Nephron segment, where nephrology is always concentrated, sometimes convoluted, never dilute. Join a group of nephrons as we try to push the boundaries of kidney medicine. Today, we'll be chatting with two successful kidney researchers who happen to be the program chairs of the upcoming ASN Kidney Week 2022 in Orlando. I'm Matt Sparks, a nephrologist from Duke University. I'm Sam Kent. I'm a transplant nephrologist at Johns Hopkins. And I'm Samira Farouk, a transplant nephrologist at Mount Sinai in New York City. So first, welcome to both of our guests, Dr. Katherine Godson and Dr. Kirk Campbell, who I've both been fortunate to work with in uh, different arenas. I'm really excited to hear from you both today. So our first question for both of you to get started is, could you both tell us a little bit about your interest in nephrology, nephrology research, and how you got to be a trainee to where you are now? And Kirk, maybe we'll start with you. Thanks so much for the invitation. So I'm an adult nephrologist at Mount Sinai in New York. My interest is in podocyte cell biology and glomerular disease. I never thought that I'd be a podocyte researcher when I was in medical school or residency, but uh, really during fellowship and with excellent mentorship, I was able to combine my basic research uh, interests uh, with an emerging translational area, which at the time when I started working in this year during, during fellowship was not as exciting as it is now. So it's really fulfilling to see all the advances in the glomerular disease space uh, with more clinical trials, for example, than we've ever had our specialty. And I'm Catherine Godson. I'm a professor of molecular medicine at University College Dublin, and I've been working in the renal space for a long time. So my interests really are around uh, diabetic complications, and I'm particularly interested in the resolution of inflammation and in mediators that are produced that promote resolution and whether these can be exploited from a pharmacological perspective. So I guess I teach pharmacology at uh, University College Dublin. And so over the years, it's been really fantastic to see how diabetic complications and inflammation have kind of converged into quite a tractable place to be. It's been very exciting. And thanks for inviting me. And it's also a very exciting time to be co-chairing Renal Week uh, 2022 with Dr. Campbell. Uh-oh, she said Renal Week. I think we mean Kidney Week. Oh, dear. <laughs> well, you see, I'm not an adult nephrologist. I'm just an adult. <laughs> um, we just call it the ASN. <laughs> I want to ask a follow-up question. So you're both grant-funded researchers. For some of our trainees that might be listening, could you tell us a little bit more about your journey to get here? How did you find a mentor? Uh, things like that, that maybe we may not know about your earlier career journey. Well, I guess I was very fortunate when I finished my PhD in pharmacology, which was actually, funnily, was about amino glycoside nephrotoxicity uh, way back. And I then accidentally found an incredible mentor when I went to UC San Diego as a postdoc and I worked with Paul Insel, who's a sort of grandfather in pharmacology and in G-protein coupled receptors and cell signaling. 
And that gave me, you know, an example of how to be a good mentor. The pharmacology department in UCSD was really fantastic. It was a really vibrant environment. And actually, that was a long time ago. And many of the people that I met then and there are still close friends, collaborators and colleagues. And after that, I then was in Geneva for a while. And then I was in Boston. I was in Harvard Medical School before I came back to UCD where I had incredible mentorship and indeed companionship from Hugh Brady, who is a nephrologist. He's now a president of Imperial College London. But I've really enjoyed extraordinary mentorship over the years and also taken advantage of opportunities to travel, which I think is really important. Even even if you're at the best place in the world, you can always learn more by just seeing it done differently somewhere else. I guess I would really, again, highlight the importance of mentorship. I had not much of a clue about photocyte biology before encountering my research mentor, uh, Peter Mundell, uh, here at Sinai as a second year nephrology fellow. Uh, and there started an odyssey, which uh, took me with uh, his group to Miami for a couple of years, where I was able to engage with Gabriel Contreras, Alessia Fornoni, really some exceptional clinicians and researchers in that space, broadening my horizons, uh, Jochen Reiser. And then, of course, you know, other names uh, became prominent in the nephrology field were also there to stimulate and really drive a lot of innovation, including uh, Miles Wolf, Orlando Gutierrez, Tamara Sakova, uh, just thinking back of the uh, amazing folks uh, I've worked with over the years. And of course, from a career standpoint, Barbara Murphy, uh, of course, stands out in recruiting me back to Mount Sinai to start my independent uh, research program. So, you know, I think all these advise trainees and, of course, in my prior role as a program director, you need more than one mentor. You need an exceptional scientific mentor, but you need multiple career advisors and sponsors along the way. And those are all important. And, you know, we should really value the role that all these individuals play uh, in our lives and careers. You know, so I'm hearing a lot about mentorship and how important it is. I think anyone and everyone in research will always say that they got somewhere because of mentor or mentors. But since a lot of our listeners are trainees, you know, there's always this mix of how you get into things is either by serendipity, you know, is something you just came along and you came along that as opposed to some of the trainees already know they want to get into research, but the problem is they don't know what to do. So there's a mix of serendipity and trying to find your own path. How do you navigate that as a trainee? Now you're looking back at things in your rear view mirror, things look a lot more different. To navigate that, oh, I, I want to get into this as opposed to just stumbling upon things can be very daunting. And how would you advise trainees to go about that? It's a bit of a cliche, but ask an important question and always pay attention to detail. If you want to be serious, have a big question, but also do stuff at the micro level. Like there's, there's no, every successful person that, that has any longevity to their success, I suppose, or sustainable success is built on detail and no detail is too small. From where I am as, you know, molecular biologist, molecular pharmacologist, no detail really is too small. And I know that for clinicians, and I have a, a lot of clinicians have gone through my lab over the years and they can find it really frustrating the minutiae of doing experiments as opposed to the big picture and it can be a really difficult transition and yes it is really difficult and it is really challenging and they really also need to acknowledge yes it is really difficult and it is really challenging and it can be tough it's like looking at one of those chemical 
reactions. You know, there's a certain level of energy has to be spent before you get through equilibrium and you really take off. And I think patience from mentors who are, you know, not from a clinical background and from clinicians with themselves. You know, they often people want to move faster than is really, and moving fast and breaking things actually isn't recommended. Right. I, absolutely. I, I definitely agree that a good question scientifically is really key. But I think folks also have to think a lot about who they're going to work with and the kinds of scholarly activities they want to be engaged in, right? Um, you know, is it going to be basic, clinical, translational, just from a big picture standpoint? Because then if you're working with an exceptional scientific mentor, you can together craft an exceptional question, a hypothesis that's going to really advance the field. And you're learning. The point is to learn, right? Especially early on, you're not going to cure kidney disease uh, with your first project, but you're learning methodology, right? Learning how to ask the right questions and how to answer them. And ultimately, you'll become more independent and seasoned and you'll you know, pay it forward. But I think early on, you really need experienced scientific mentorship to know what questions to ask, as, as Catherine said. That's really a key starting point. Uh, otherwise, you could really waste a lot of time. But you do need to be patient, right? I definitely agree, especially in the basic science world, but also in other aspects of science. There's a lot of repetition, a lot of failure, right? Doing things over and over, hoping uh, for a result that makes sense, that you can interpret appropriately. And it does require a lot of patience, right? As a student in my lab said one day when he was really bored doing them again, he said, that's the re in research. <laughs> one thing I want to hear about from both of you is that moment that you knew that research was the career path for you. What was that moment that you can think uh, back to? Honestly, like the most facile thing, differentiating cells from monocytes into macrophages, just looking under the microscope and seeing it happened. That was like amazing. And I guess also it's kind of owning the truth. You're the first person to see this and you kind of have an idea. And when you try and work backwards as to how this actually happened, I think that's a pretty, that's a pretty nice feeling. Yeah, I definitely agree. I could almost say the time when I said that research was not for me, and that was during residency, where I said, I'll never do research again, I'm going to be clinical, and then had an epiphany later on, right? So never say never. I just had an epiphany one night on night float. I must have been pretty bored in residency. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to do fellowship and go back to basic research, give it another shot. Maybe if I'm doing nephrology research, I'll like it more than my previous experiences. And the beginning it was slow, but again, similar experience to Catherine is when an experiment actually worked. I was as surprised as everyone around me, um, and it all started to make sense. I think the postdoc said, you know, I actually think this is a miracle that this thing worked, but it was a, it was a co-immunoprecipitation. I mean, it was They're really hard. Pain, right? Protein-protein interactions and this pull-down thing that, you know, is pretty tedious, and I guess... I was pretty sloppy, uh, you know, maybe not too surprising to anyone in the beginning, but the thing actually worked. And I remember the postdoc and he wasn't very talkative and he just said, I think this is a miracle. Uh, and I'm like, you know what? I think maybe I can do this. That's when I kind of, you know. Well, you know, like, I, I guess like that one is really gratifying because you have so many controls. So you know that it worked. It's not like other things, you know, that aren't really tightly controlled, but you know, it's co-IPs, you really, you either have them or you don't. 
Yep, that band was thick. That precious band. (laughs) It was there. Before we move on to Kidney Week, as you both know, uh, we have a challenge with recruiting trainees into nephrology research. What are your thoughts on how we can encourage them to share the same enthusiasm and passion that you've grown over the last many years? I do think that the advances that folks will see, and I know it's that kind of a good segue to Kidney Week because nephrology as a specialty, as we know, has not had a lot of advances over the last several decades, and that's changing rapidly, right? The new drug applications, new devices, a lot more investment from key stakeholders across the board, and that's something that we need to really highlight. I mean, I think those advances have benefited other specialties in medicine, right? And it's really engendered enthusiasm, you know, among trainees. So uh, I think the more we highlight that and get them involved, right, uh, in, in, in a lot of this work uh, early on in their careers, I think that that'll be very helpful. I was just looking at the advances in research program that's been put together by uh, Dr. Himmelfarb and Dr. Marciano. And what's really remarkable is if you go so there's a lot of organizers a lot of developmental biology vasculature like really exciting things but what's really amazing is if you go back five years ago there was very similar things but the field has really advanced so much like it's a really exciting time to think about cellular therapies it's a really exciting time to see the convergence of different technologies and i would say that one thing about kidney week that is always really stood out as a basic scientist, like compared to other specialties, is it really embraces basic science and it really embraces quality people from outside the field, as we'll see with the plenary speakers, which I think is really refreshing and makes for nephrology being an open and progressive kind of a specialty in an area of of research that I think is really fantastic, actually. And I think the plenary talks are going to be really great and really beyond the kidney which is in everybody's interest and and is in the tradition of the Kidney Week that I go to and people from around the world go to. What are the plenary talks that you're most excited about this year? I think that these were well thought out, right? And I think even the timing of when, when they'll be, and I'll just briefly run through, as we know, they're highlighted on the site, but you know, uh, there's um, a, a panel co-sponsored by the National Academy of Medicine and the ASN, right, uh, on the Thursday, the first day of the main program, really zeroing in on how we prevent the next uh, pandemic, right? Uh, and see a nice keynote talk by uh, Peter Hotez, who is quite prominent in speaking. I think he has a, a book actually titled Preventing the Next Pandemic. So he's at Baylor. And, and I think you should really, you know, gain a lot of knowledge from the exceptional panel uh, moderated by Carlos Del Rio after that. Uh, and the Friday, the second main day of the main program, there's a talk on xenotransplantation, right, by uh, Jamie Locke, uh, which, you know, again, very timely. A lot of advances in the transplant field and speaking of advances that should uplift a lot of interest in nephrology and kidney transplant that's really front and center. And then on the Saturday, there's a talk on uh, microRNAs as medicine by Melissa Moore, and, and she's the chief scientific officer at Moderna, and really going beyond the application of mRNAs for vaccine purposes, but other applications that could be beneficial therapeutically. On Sunday, uh, wearable implantable electronic systems for kidney health by John Rogers. He's done a lot of great work on microfluidics and wearable devices from Northwestern, and that's a great way to really end an exceptional program. So different talks, folks with different interests, uh, but all extremely educational. 
how can a trainee take full advantage? It's such a big program and so many things to do to get lost in. What would your advice be for a trainee that's going to Kidney Week for the first time? Plan, plan ahead, read the abstracts. You know, I'm your mother. You gotta, you gotta sit on the plane if you, if you read. That was the advantage of the huge book that you could, you know, bring it with you wherever you went. Kirk is probably best positioned to talk about the different trainee journal clubs and the, the highlights of research and all of those other um, things that, that are planned. Catherine, you should get some credit for this in the early program on kidney pathophysiology, right? Um, really, the fundamentals. Um, you know, of um, kidney pathophys will be one of the early programs, which we hope, uh, you know, will be a nice course, especially for PhDs, right, working in the kidney space, so just to understand the basics of kidney physiology and pathophys. But I think the benefit of a hybrid meeting, just taking a step back, folks in previous years would often be a bit disconcerted that they had to choose which session to go to, right? The fact is, all the sessions will be recorded, so you can attend live, um, you know, the sessions that are of most interest to you if you attend in person and, um, you know, view lectures that you may have missed afterwards, right? Uh, and I think even after the meeting in the ASN uh, eLearning Center, the lectures will be available. I think the live streaming will be focused on the plenaries and so the late breaking sessions, so the big ticket items will be live streamed, but everything else will mainly be available on demand. So you know, trainees can learn and tune in at their own pace based on availability. And I know it's something that folks would often uh, struggle with juggling in, uh, you know, all the competing events at such a large meeting. And looks like the Kidney Stars program is also happening again this year for medical students and residents. And I think many trainees, Catherine, as you're mentioning, planning is so important. I think that program is great to allow faculty and fellow mentors to help navigate more junior trainees through a, what can be sometimes an overwhelming meeting. Yeah, really, I, uh, you need a day either side of it, I think, to steal yourself for it and then to go back over what you've heard and listened to. But I think what Kirk is saying is great in terms of being able to go back, listen again, or to what you didn't get to hear at all in person. And I think pretty much everything is going to be in person, right? Yeah, everything's going to be available on demand and great topic chats. You know, I think one of the downsides of, of having you know, everything compressed into just a few days is that you inevitably they're going to be conflicting topics and sessions, right? So folks really pick what they want to see live and their benefits. I don't know we may segue to that, some of the benefits of attending Kidney Week, but a part of it is networking. Part of it is having conversations with fellow attendees and in some of these sessions, right, that you go to in person. But afterwards, you can learn at your own pace after the meeting is done. Absolutely. I mean, the benefit, even the most, you know, old fashioned standing at your post, you're meeting people is so fantastic for people, both their peers and then people opportunities, career opportunities, collaborative opportunities, all of those things are very real aspects of Kidney Week. And as you know, when you work with the committee, you realize the executive does such an unbelievably thoughtful job of positioning posters appropriately. Like it's really nothing happens by accident with that team driving it. Pretty impressive. I think I'm looking most forward to the posters. And I think having the pandemic and not being at the conference made me realize like, wow, like this is a really great opportunity just to meet people from all over the country and the world. And so I'm going to take full advantage of that this year. You're not going to get me out of the posters. I was just going to say, like, if you reflect on, you know, sort of research progress that 
you've one has made over the years and collaborations it's amazing how many things started at a poster at kidney week followed by a coffee maybe followed by a drink or whatever but like really substantive collaborations started there yeah i mean i've always said as well i you know the poster sessions are a major highlight sometimes people get a bit disappointed if their abstract is not selected for oral presentation but I've always loved it when mine was, was selected as a poster because, as Catherine said, the time to meet potential collaborators and get great feedback in a non-pressured setting yeah. always found to be quite valuable. Of course, an oral presentation is a major highlight and a, and a great honor, but, but I think there are um, specific benefits to the poster sessions as well. I would say that the payback from a poster is probably much better than the payback other than, you know, uh, uh, for your ego. <laughs> One session that we know many people really look forward to is the late-breaking clinical trials. Is there anything that you can share with us about that? The titles of the selected acts for the oral session are on the ASN site. I think the full abstracts will be made available at a later date. There are also several that, again, as a segue from the poster conversation, that will be presented in poster form on the Saturday, right? So the oral late-breaking session will be November 4th and November 5th would be the the poster session for the rest of the abstracts, right? But all exceptional, I think just a testament to the exciting advances in in the field. And I think it's not confidential anymore, which actually were selected for oral. So um, again, I really encourage everyone to to tune in uh, to see those uh, presented. The kidney will be uh, presented, and I think that's exciting. We've seen a lot of advances uh, in, in clinical trials and implementation with the utilization of SGLT2 inhibitors, but also there are other uh, topics that will be covered, right? Uh, in, in kidney transplant and acid-base management and um, health equity and so on, right? Glomerular disease. I think it'll be a great session, about eight or nine oral presentations in that session, but definitely check out the late-breaking poster session as well. A lot of exceptional work being presented there with a lot of simultaneous publications in major journals, right, being coordinated. So look for news releases coming out. I think there'll be a lot of uh, highlights to celebrate during that meeting. I think for some of us, it feels like we're going to Kidney Week for the first time with the, uh, you know, hiatus with the pandemic. And so given that, are there any new sessions or new formats, new things that are being trialed at this Kidney Week that have we have not seen before? The early programs are a little bit different this time. I think, you know, Catherine spoke to the Advanced in Research Conference and how the content has been significantly updated. But, you know, we also mentioned the, the kidney pathophysiology uh, session uh, as well. And, and Samir, you, you kind of mentioned the, the first in-person meeting in three years, right? Well, it, it also means that we can get back to the in-person early program, kidney pathology and, and point-of-care ultrasound as well, which, which uh, those weren't, weren't possible, right, uh, before the, the focus session. So, um, you know, a lot of new things. And there are also topic chats, uh, again, taking full advantage of the flexibility in the format uh, of the meeting that we can have a session dedicated to international medical graduates, first-year attendings, and so on. So really interesting topic here is that folks can come together to discuss important areas uh, impacting our field. We're getting to the end of the segment, and we always ask a question, what gives you joy outside of medicine? We'll start with Kirk. 
Well, I mean, that's an easy one for me. The World Cup is starting, so uh, soccer, I'll be off the grid uh, in a few weeks uh, for about a month. It's a weird time of year to, to have it, but I think it's a, a nice break during you know the cold season. <laughs> There's a really nice Turner exhibition just opened in the National Gallery, Dublin. Visuals, either uh, you know looking at the sea or looking at a, a, a pictures or paintings. Thank you both, Catherine and Kurt, for being on this episode of the Nephron segment. We are very excited for Kidney Week 2022 in Orlando. A big thank you to all of our listeners. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Nephron segment, where nephrology is always concentrated, sometimes convoluted, never dilute. And please come say hi to us all at Kidney Week.